seats and we're going to continue. So if you're able to find a seat, we'll continue and we'll give you some opportunity to stand again. As Mark said, my name is Joe Crummy and I'm one of the leaders here and I'm going to be speaking this morning. And once again, we just want to welcome everyone to Christ Central Church here in Fredericton. Glad that you're able to be with us and a special welcome to our university college students, some here for the first time. Welcome. Glad that you've uh, found your way to our uh, church and to our church meeting. And we, again, just want to say what opportunities we have during the week to be able to connect more than just on a Sunday with our prayer meeting. And we've partnered with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship on campus to be involved in small groups. And so you can be part of one of our life groups, which is people from all different ages and everything. And if you want something more specific on campus, uh, you can check out with the IV crew and they meet on Wednesday nights at the sub and an alpha starting on this coming Tuesday. So there's lots of ways for you to get connected. If you are at our Jake and Hannah event on Friday night, maybe you've made your way here. Welcome. We had a great evening together. And maybe some of you are on our alpha uh, as well, our second one yesterday. And so a very warm welcome to you. And as we looked at last week, one of the things that we do in speaking on a Sunday morning is we get to actually explain what just happened in the previous hour. So if you're going, what in the world was that all about in the last hour? People singing in a band and people sharing and some people, you know, seem to be like almost like at a concert and other people do, you know, musicians doing like guitar solos in church and everything like that. Like what in the world is going on? Well, we're going to explain some of the things why we do what we do. And I want to begin by doing a quick review <clears throat> of last week, which leads into, because believe it or not, I only got through my first point last week, and you're all thankful that I didn't go on to point two, because we would be here for another time. And I'm not even sure if I'm going to get to point three this morning, so we might have to do a third uh, <clears throat> message on this. Now you're really worried. Okay, we'll try to keep it somewhat short. So last week we took, and we looked at this question, and maybe you had time in your life groups, or maybe one-on-one, -on -one, uh, just even with yourself this week, we looked last week at what consumes your life, what fills your life. That's a good question to ask, and sometimes, you know what, it's good to take a time out in our lives and to ask, what fills my life? What consumes my life? Do I just go through it without even thinking about that? Do I really know what fills and consumes my life? What is my life built on? What's the center of my life? What drives me? What's my purpose? What are my passions? And we gave some different examples of what that might be at your stage in life, and it might change during stages of life. But what fills and what consumes your life? And last week we looked at one of the books of the Bible called Ephesians, and as I gave the background a guy named Paul who used to dislike, or actually more than dislike, he hated Christianity. He hated Jesus, very religious, but hated Jesus. And he actually persecuted Christians, and he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. And you can read about that in the book of Acts in the Bible. And this encounter with Jesus that changed his life, it says this little phrase in Acts chapter 9 in Paul's story, it says that a guy named Ananias went to see him and went to pray for him. Ananias was even scared to go because he's like, God, don't you know this guy hates us? But he's obedient and he lays his hand on Saul at that point. His name was Saul and he prays for him. And it says something like scales fell off his eyes and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden we see right early on and Saul becoming Paul and changing his name, he had an encounter with Jesus, and this is the order it always goes in. 
He had an encounter with Jesus, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that changed his life. And then he went on leading a life of being able to serve and share about Jesus Christ. And he went all around to different areas, and he taught the message of Jesus that we just sang about, his life, death, resurrection, how Jesus came to planet Earth, Son of God, as we've been singing about this morning. He came to deal with the sin issue. He came to deal with the death issue. So Jan, whoever it was, I get all mixed up already, who was Bronwyn's talking about death. We're going to come back to the worship part in a minute about how Jesus conquered the big three. And what are the big three? Sin that separates us from God. So some of us are consumed, whether we know or not, by sin, and that dominates our life. And post-Jesus, we can say, Jesus, you are stronger. Sin is broken. And we sang about this morning another big one, death, and that Jesus conquered death. He died on a cross, a physical death. He, he really did die on a cross, and he was buried in a tomb for three days. But God, by the power of God, raised him from the dead, and he conquered death. And because he conquered death, when we put our faith and trust in him, we don't have to fear dying. Now, that really gets put to the test some weeks, doesn't it? And so dear Edna in our church this week, got, that got put to the test as her husband suddenly died this week. And it, it, it rocks you. Because we all kind of, we can get into our day-to-day, -day, maybe except for those who work at the hospital and see death every day. But we can go weeks, months, even years without someone maybe dying close to us. And you kind of forget about it. We kind of live like we're immortal. We don't really think about it. And in North America, we wake up every day thinking we're going to live. Where most places in the world, you wake up thinking, I made it through the night. I wonder if I'm going to live today. But Jesus conquered death. So therefore, we don't have to be afraid of dying anymore or the afterlife when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus conquered sin, he conquered death, and he conquered Satan. And we have a real enemy and despite maybe what your worldview is, you have to account for why is there evil in the world. And you have to account for this. Why do I sometimes do evil things if we're honest with ourselves? Because if we're just good people and we're all common good, then why does evil in there? And we've got to ask ourselves that question. Why do I do the things I do? And that comes to the sin issue and that comes what's the root behind sin. And the Bible says, we have an enemy who once was an angel, worshiped God, rebelled against God. God cast him out of heaven, and he has been on a rampage ever since to get glory away from God and onto himself and to make perverse all the good things God has done and created because he can't create anything. He can only cause things to be perverse. So you take all the good things in the world, as we're going to talk about this morning, music, relationships, family, you take all the good things that God has created and how Satan tries to pervert them to mess us up and to get us away from God and onto him. And Jesus came to deal with those three things, to break the power of sin in our lives today and also to prevent us from being separated from God in a relationship now and in the future that we can not have to go to hell as a just punishment for our sin. He conquered death we don't have to lo no longer fear death and dying. We might not like the process, but we know where we're going, and it's good. We have eternity 
with heaven. And he conquered Satan. Satan no longer has to be in control. And that's what Paul taught. And Paul went to a place called Ephesus, and he shared that good news with some people, and they believed and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And Paul laid his hands on them, and he prayed for them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the model we see in the New Testament. And Paul went there when he first went there. He knew they were a religious bunch, so this doesn't just apply to people who are far off from God. This applies to people who are trying to be good and religious. And Paul's saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And it's a good question to ask today if you're a follower of Jesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Were you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because Paul says this. This is what we looked at last week, and we're going to read it again. Let's do that right away then. That leads us right into today. We lose it already, guys. There we go. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to pick it up at verse 8 to 22. Where's our clicker? There we go. All right, let's read it. Now you know the background. Paul says to those who are Christians now, for once you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's a good question. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here's the verse Mark read even starting our meeting this morning. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So last week, we took a look at being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that message is on our website if you want to uh, listen to that one. In case you missed it, you might want to listen to it again. And we talked about the importance of being filled with the Spirit of God. And how do we do that? We come to Jesus. We come to Jesus. We put our faith and our trust in Him for the things I just mentioned, for our salvation to be saved from sin and death and Satan. And now Jesus is central to our lives. We're now building with Jesus at the center. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. This is what makes Christianity so incredible. We have a relationship with God that isn't just by sort of textbook and it's not just by theory. It's reality and he gives his Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural component to Christianity that he gives his spirit to live within us, which is incredible. And we looked at last week how the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our advocate. It's like he's our lawyer. He's the one who helps us. <clears throat> we get to hear God's voice. You remember the football one? We get to put our hands over ears sometimes and say, Jesus, I just want to hear your voice. And he speaks by his Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but this week I had to call on the Holy Spirit to help me in several circumstances this week. So April and I were with Edna after Terry passed away. And it was a frantic time. It was a weeping time, and we weep with those who weep. 
and so many questions, why and all, and family and everything, and April are just like, Holy Spirit, we need to hear your voice. What can we bring to this situation? Because you get kind of in a panic. You're like, where do you even start? And so many questions, and everyone's asking, and it's frantic. And you're like, Holy Spirit, I need to hear you. And it's amazing. Holy Spirit, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Boom. Holy Spirit, he reminds us of his word, and he helps us to pray. Knowing right from wrong, Holy Spirit, would you help me in this situation? I'm not quite sure what the most right thing is to do. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's being preoccupied with Jesus. Jesus, what would you do in this situation? Now, here's what I want to go on today, is that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we come to Jesus. We talked about, if you're already a Christian, you go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I believe some of you were praying for that last Sunday and in your life groups this week, what I want to make sure you understand is that being filled with the Holy Spirit and being a Spirit-filled person is in the context of community. It's in the context of being a Spirit-filled people. And I'm going to give you my two extremes that I'm always afraid of. Let's see if we can get up there. That we are a Spirit-filled people. And that goes right away from the context of you Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to selfishness. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And right away, it's an individual thing, but in the context of you, plural, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're a Spirit-filled people. We are in the context of community and family. And how do we know that? Because right away, it says, speak to one another. So if it was just all about you, it would be, speak to yourself, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But right away, it's in the context of once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it affects other people. And we, as a, the body of Christ, are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this summer, as we mentioned before, we were in Wolfville, Nova Scotia for the summer, Angela and our family. And one of the guys at the church we were working with was Australian. His name's Steve. We called him Australian Steve because he had a really thick Australian accent, and we could barely make out what he said. And sometimes when he shared in church, this is what he'd say. He'd say, use guys. I can't do, I won't even go and try to do my Australian accent, because I'll butcher Irish, Scottish, and everything all into one thing. But it was poor, use guys. And all the English teachers were just like, oh. But it was plural, use guys and gals. It was plural. Use, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You. And now here's my fear, and this is what can happen. Two extremes can happen when we talk about these things. That's why it's important for this message to follow up last week. Two things can happen. One is, I can do last week and talk so much about you, singular, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then it stops there. And they don't realize you personally being filled with the Holy Spirit is supposed to be together. And that's supposed to benefit other people. So I talked last week, yes, we're hearing God's voice, all these incredible, but even this week, most of the circumstances where I was asking for the Holy Spirit, it was to help others. Because there's a serving part and a missional part to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So sometimes you can miss the context that we're supposed to be a Spirit-filled people. 
And so people can get filled with the Holy Spirit, and what can happen is they can become very individualistic, which fits our kind of society, and it becomes so personal, it becomes a me thing, and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I want to know God's peace, and all those things can be good, but they can actually almost become very selfish. And it doesn't extend to serving others. Now the flip side is, the other extreme is, sometimes when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, when we talk about being a Spirit-filled people, this is what can happen. You can think, because you're here among a couple hundred people, and other people are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can think you're filled with the Holy Spirit just because everyone else around you might be, and you can miss that it's a personal thing that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see the two extremes? So one extreme is, I get filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's for me, myself, and I, and it can actually become almost a selfish thing. And we don't want that. Likewise, you can be in a community and part of a family of God like this, and you can almost ride on the coattails of other people and say, well, I don't know if I'm filling up, but I'm part of this. This is, this is great. And you can miss out that you personally have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we want both. Because you can't be a Spirit-filled people, plural, if you're not Spirit-filled individuals coming together. So we don't want to miss out on either one. We need both. And we have to recognize, as we talked about, that our identity is now a community and a family. And one of the things that is now the identity as a people of God is the presence of God. And that's where all the, I loved all those ones that came from Betty and Janice and others talking about God inhabiting the praises of his people and praise being one of the central things all throughout the Bible is we have now the presence of God with us. And that makes church different from every other organization on planet Earth. So I'm going to say that again, because some of you don't look very convinced. I think some of you guys were up too late at Harvest Jazz and Blues last night. Last week. You guys are like, come on now, people. Come on. Stay with me. The Church of Jesus Christ is the only organization on planet Earth that has the presence of God as its distinguishing marker. So it makes it different from the YMCA, even though you can go to a different Y all around the world. It makes it different from a country club. It makes it different from anything else. Folks, it's the presence of God. Now, here's the incredible thing, and I want you to understand this because we're going to share in communion, and if you don't understand this, you're missing a key thing. We don't realize always, and I'm going to personalize it, we don't always realize what an incredible thing it is this morning that we get together and worship God and that we're not killed. Now, here's two ways by a meme that we're not killed. One is, and it might be different from what you're thinking, we get together and worship God and we're not killed by God himself. That's the first one I'm talking about. Because <clears throat> God is a holy God. And I think John Calhoun even leading worship this morning, the sense I got, I think at one point he couldn't even sing. Sometimes in worship you get that impact. That you're just like, I realize God is holy and God is powerful and God's almighty and it leaves us speechless. And you get a good healthy fear of God and you're like, I can't even believe I'm allowed to even be in God's presence. And you should feel like that. And the only way we're allowed to be in God's presence is because of Jesus Christ. That he's given us access. And if you don't have a revelation, you don't have an understanding that almighty God, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, angels, elders, living creatures. It's weird. You can read about it all throughout the Bible. I don't understand it. 
eyes and wings and everything. It's weird, folks, so you think this is weird. You ain't seen nothing yet. <clears throat> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if you read the story through the Bible, we see Adam and Eve were in the garden, and it was God's presence with them that was incredible in the garden before sin. God walked with Adam and Eve. They heard his voice. His presence was there. That's incredible. And what happened when sin, they disobeyed God, what happened? They were separated. Sin separates us from God. And we see this restoration process all throughout the Old Testament coming to Jesus of God wanting to be with his people, sin separating, and we can see this restoration process. And we had, last week we talked about Moses bringing the people out of Egypt, out of slavery into the promised land. And what did they have? They had a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day that God's presence was with them. And they knew God was there because God, in a way, inhabited with his people. And that was the distinguishing feature. That separated them from all the other people around them. And then we see the tent of meeting. They made a tent, and Moses and Joshua would go to meet with God in the tent, and nobody else was allowed. And they came out, they looked different. They physically looked different. Moses would meet with God on the mountain. He came down, people were like, Moses, you got to put, man, do something about that. We can't even look at you because you're shining, because you've been in God's presence. Being in God's presence changes us. And then they built a tabernacle that they could carry the ark, which represented God's presence. But they had to have curtains and all kinds of different things and the tent of meeting and they had the tabernacle and they had the inner one and only the great high, the high priest was able to go once a year and the day of atonement and all these things. You were separated from God, but God's presence was there. And then David built a temple, the same thing. Remember Solomon? He prayed and the power of God came and they were all worshiping in a physical temple in Jerusalem and they all fell down. Why? Because God's presence was there. And folks, if we still lived in that, we would not be going in to see God's presence. We would be killed. We couldn't handle it. And that all points to Jesus. And Jesus came as the word of God made flesh, and he tabernacled amongst us, John chapter 1. His presence was here because he is God. And in order for us to have access to God, we need to come through the mediator, that's Jesus Christ, who connects us back with God. And not only connects us back with God, as in Lord God Almighty, we get to call him Abba, Father. Folks, that's incredible. That is incredible. So for us to be able to come together and to worship God, it's because we have access to the Father through Christ by his Spirit. So the Trinity, the Godhead, is always involved. We are a spirit-filled people. That's our new identity. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's presence amongst us. Folks, you realize that why we can meet in a school today? Because it doesn't have to be a holy temple or a shrine or a holy place. Because now we, we people, yous, yous guys, us, we're if you're a follower of Jesus, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we gather. It doesn't matter where we gather. We can gather at Devon Middle School. We've gathered at a convention center. Goodness, if you've been involved in our church in all the years, we've gathered in fields. We've gathered everywhere, okay? Hotels, schools, convention centers. We've been everywhere. Because you know why? Because we're the people. The church is the people of God, 
We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to a building dedicated to God to worship God. You can meet anywhere. That's radical. You don't have to go on a pilgrimage. So some of our friends in other religions, they, they're, they are blown away by these things. You mean you don't have to go to a holy place? We are the holy place. We've been made holy through Jesus Christ, and we have a relationship with God. We're now the family of God. We get to love and care for one another and belong and have acceptance and friendship and service and giving. We get to bless and mourn together. We get to enjoy God together. We're not perfect, but we want to grow in these things. We're the people of God. We have citizenship. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We're representatives of Christ and his kingdom. And what is one of the most distinguishing marks of the people of God? We've already had it this morning. The presence of God and it's this. One of the most distinguishing marks of being a spirit-filled people is this. It is worship. So now I get to explain more of what you've experienced this morning. That one of the distinguishing marks of being a spirit-filled people, now you've got to realize, the whole of our lives is worship. So English doesn't translate very well because we have one word, worship, but in the Hebrew and then Greek, there's all kinds of different words that get used. So Betty, if you're in that search option, you're going to have to search a lot of different things, okay? Because you're going to find a lot of different things out. So one aspect of it is the whole of our lives is worship. And we'll, we've talked about that before, both in heart and in action. So our attitudes, our actions, everywhere we go is to be a living sacrifice to God. But another aspect of it, to narrow down just for today, is what we've just said. Worship is coming together and speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So music is a powerful tool. And music comes from God. He created music. It's his thing. So don't let anyone tell you that music is evil. It is not. Music is from God. It can get used for evil, but music is a powerful tool. And how many people know that music affects our moods? It affects our attitudes. It affects our behavior. It affects a lot of things about us because it's powerful. And if you were at Har- ha- ha- Harvest Jazz and Blues this week, you realize music is a powerful thing. It really is. And if I looked at your playlist, I could guarantee we'd have some interesting discussions about what type of music you listen to and how that affects you and why you listen to what you listen. But music is a gift from God. It comes from God. It's full of creativity and freedom and expression and movement. It's artistic. And all those things are a reflection of God. So the question is, how are we going to use music? How are we going to use it? And we're saying we want to redeem it and we want to use music for the glory of God. We want to use music individually in our own personal times. We want to use it together on Sunday morning at our prayer meetings in our life groups. And here's one of the things I talked about last week and someone raised a good thing. I think Angela did and a few other people talked this week. Last week I asked the question, why do people get drunk? Because the Bible says don't get drunk on wine. It leads to selfishness, but be filled with the Spirit. So I gave some different reasons for that. One of the things people came and said, Joe, you missed one. I was like, oh, I probably missed quite a few. And they said, people drink to take away their inhibitions. They relax, and there's a freedom that comes. Now, I'm not saying you need to do it that way. That's why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But folks, can I say this? And this is brutal honesty for all of us. We as a church need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you know what? 
we need to relax a little. We need more freedom in our worship. Because here's the thing. I've been around a lot of us. And I've been at weddings. And I've seen a lot of us at weddings. And you know what? We look a lot different at weddings and receptions than we do on Sunday morning. And sometimes I think we actually have more fun at the wedding reception than we do on Sunday morning. And we're missing something, because I know, and some of you who are like this on Sunday morning, you're not like that at a wedding reception, and there's been no alcohol there. So something has changed to allow you more freedom to be able to enjoy yourself and to be able to move around and to dance a little bit and to express what's going on in here. And folks, we need some of that here on Sunday mornings. Because we were pretty dead this morning, starting off. I'm being honest with you. I'm counting myself. I'm like, God, you've got to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? It's hard work sometimes. And we come in, and I'm, it's hard to get here. And we come in with all kinds of different things. So this is my encouragement to you for your homework for next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, I want you to be worshiping before you ever get here for our corporate meeting. So I want you music, I want worship tunes, I want you dancing in your, wherever you are, I want you in your cars, I want you boogie, if you're walking, I want you worshiping, and we'll see a difference if we all come, fill the Holy Spirit as the people of God, ready to worship God together. And that's going to happen in your life groups, that's going to happen at prayer meetings tonight, that's going to happen everything. And our dear African friends, I've told you this before, I'm going to say it again, don't become North American. We need to become more like you. So have freedom to express yourself. We need to, it was great last week. I'm, white man can't dance, I know, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to, as you were leading worship last week, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm willing to make a fool out of myself to praise God because I want it out of the overflow of my heart to worship God. Because what are we told to do when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? We are too. It's very plain. What are we to do? And how does that worship look like? I'm giving you an answer. It's up on the board. We are to, please help me. We are to speak, read it out, to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Keep going. Let me know you're there. Hallelujah. Celebrate your... Now, here's the thing. I'm going to give you some guidelines. Now, I already know some objections, so I'm just going to deal with them right off the top. I'm not forcing anyone to do anything that isn't biblical. I'm just saying, be more biblical. So I know some of you are introverts, and already you're crawling under the seat because you're like, there's no way I'm dancing in front of people. It's all right. Just don't stay under your seat. I'm not forcing anything to say you need to be like somebody else. This is what I'm saying. You need to find a way, even as an introvert and if you're shy, you need to find a way to be biblical to express your worship to God. That's the key thing. So if that might be being very still, and that is worshiping God in the way that you find gives you the most release and freedom in worshiping God, by all means, you go ahead and do that. You don't need to look like somebody else. But here's my point. You need to engage in worshiping God. And if engagement might be just kneeling and being still before God, that's engagement. That's okay. 
So you don't need to look like, we don't need a conga line and you need to join the conga line, <laughs> although feel free to if it happens. It's the principles of the Bible saying, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to sing. So I'm going to encourage you that I think at least some of it sometimes involves opening your mouth and singing. So I have a very hard time when people say, I don't sing. Saying, well, the Bible says, sing. And there's something about confessing God's word. And here's some things that it includes. It includes, I think I have these ones down. I'm just saying what, it's very plain. There's a freedom that comes when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We lose our inhibitions to worship God. I'm not ashamed of the one I love. And it includes this. It includes words of truth. We declare truth. We confess truth. We memorize truth. So the question is, in our worship songs, what are we putting in our minds? And so we have great worship leaders who spend a lot of time and energy deciding every week what songs to sing because they realize the impact it has on who we are. And many of you will forget my message, but you'll be singing the songs we sang this morning because you're getting truth into you. And there was loads of truth here this morning. Worship is expressive. It's participatory. It's active. It says sing. It says speak to one another. That all communicates action. And that's what we're going for. Make music. There's export, exhortations all throughout the word. The Psalms are full of it. And it starts with us. A decision. I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm, I'm speaking truth to myself. So on Sunday mornings you come and you're blah and you're tired and you didn't have your coffee and you, all that. Focus and say, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. We speak to ourselves. I'm going to lift up my voice. And in worship, what do we do? We go from I will bless the Lord to we will bless the Lord at all times. It's expressive. Now, some of you are going to say, Joe, there's a caution there. What happens if we become too fanatical and it becomes too emotional? When we get there, we will address that. <laughs> Mark my words. When we become like a rock concert or a sporting event, we will reassess everything and we'll go with boundaries and some more clarification. But for now, we're not going to worry about that. If you were at Jazz and Blues this week, a lot of alcohol, a lot of partying, and the world seems to be enjoying life more than followers of Jesus. Now, we're not trying to copy that. All I'm saying is we've got to ask ourselves sometimes, are we really filled with the Holy Spirit and doing what God asks us to do? You go to a sporting event, you go to the Red Bombers last night, you go to different things. It's action. People are shouting and screaming. They're involved, and they're not even in the game. We're all in the game, folks. It's not forced, but it is expressive. So we can kneel, we can sit, we can stand, we can clap, we can bow, we can dance, but I just want us to engage, to make sure that we're engaged. And it might look different every week, but let's be engaged, and let's practice at home. Let's be thankful. There's so many reasons to be thankful. We remember God's provision. Remember, he's given Jesus. He's given his spirit. He's given us today. We get to, he's given us a country that we can worship in, that we're not killed by people who might come and kill us for worshiping Jesus. That we have a great future. 
It's heartfelt, it's personal, it can be raw and intimate, it can be a lament, it can be in joy, it can be silence. All those things count. So some weeks it's going to be more like a lament. We're able to be honest before God. And for others it's going to be joyful. It's God-focused. We're proclaiming and declaring who God is, God's character, attributes, goodness, greatness, glory. We're declaring what God has done, his salvation and creation, transformation. We're declaring what God will do, his plans, promises in the future. And it raises up faith and courage to keep following God. And as we do that, he's given us spiritual gifts. And Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians about to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has given gifts to help us serve one another and to glorify God. And he says this, to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. What is that? That is speaking out God's heart in God's will. It's like God speaking through us to each other. And the guidelines when we meet corporately is this. It's to edify us. It's to strengthen us. It's to encourage us. It's to build us up. So an example from this morning, Bronwyn coming and sharing. I had this picture, Jesus, robes, glory, and darkness underneath him. And Jesus has conquered sin and death and Satan. And that's a picture I can understand. That's a picture that I'm like, that's right. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is alive. Jesus has conquered these things. And that picture builds up and it reminds me of the truth of who Jesus is. It's speaking out God's heart and God's will. And it edifies me and it strengthens me and it encourages me and it helps me to persevere to keep following Jesus. That's what prophecy is to do. Isn't that awesome? Do you see how it all works together? Worship leaders are picking songs full of truth to declare who God is, what God has done, what God's going to do. We come in, we're blah, we're down, whatever, and the first song we're kind of like, and then about halfway through, it's not emotionalism, it's your soul waking up to the reality of who God is. And then we begin to wake up and say, oh, God is here. God's presence is here. God is worthy to be praised. And then prophetic words come to say, that's right, Jesus does reign. He is conqueror of death. I don't need to fear death anymore because Jesus reigns. And we begin to, it's not positive thinking, it's positive believing truth. And it changes our emotions and it changes our viewpoint and it changes everything. And then we're able to encourage one another because you don't know who might die this week that you need to be there. That what was said on Sunday and what was shared on Sunday is going to help you be able to serve someone else, let alone possibly yourself. And we didn't have a tongue in interpretation this morning, but God's given gifts of being able to say a prayer and a praise in a different language, unknown to us. It could be a, a language here on planet Earth or an angelic language that is a prayer and praise to God, and God's given gifts of interpretation that in our context are going to be interpret it in English that we're going to be able to say yes and amen to. And that edifies, that helps us in our worship because all those things should glorify God and should assist us in our worship to God. And then Ben's able to get up and exhort our musicians to be able to play for God. And God's speaking through the music and kind of say, I didn't quite get that. Folks, it's a supernatural thing. So you're at Jazz and Blues, and people sometimes with no lyrics are playing, and it, it affects you. It's because 
that's a gift from God. And we're redeeming that in our context for God to be able to release. And sometimes it could be a lament through the musicians. Other times it could be like a battle cry. Other times it's like joy coming through. And we want to be open to all those things that God wants to do to help us in our worship to God. And sometimes it's testimonies. Sometimes it's someone saying a scripture. Sometimes it's someone being able just to share different things that enhance our worship. And most of those you saw modeled over the last couple of weeks and most Sundays. That's what it is to worship God together. That's one of the marks of being a spirit-filled people. And folks, I don't think we probably resemble being a spirit-filled people as much as we should. And if you come from a more traditional background, you might think that we're quite expressive. Folks, we got a long way to go to be even more expressive in our worship to God, to be like this, to be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That's the us part. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Music is a powerful way to relate to God. Now, I'm going to give you a break today. I'm going to save my third point for another week or another time. We're going to share communion in a moment. And what an incredible time. As we share communion, we remember Jesus' life. We remember why he was sent. We sang it in the song, he was sent to seek and save the lost, to obey his father. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place. He paid the penalty for our sin. He died. He conquered death because God, his father, raised him from the dead. He's alive. He showed proof to himself to over 500 people. He returned to heaven to rule and reign. And it said when he returns to heaven, he's going to send his Holy Spirit. He has sent his Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is ruling and reigning in heaven. He's praying and interceding for his church. He's going to return again. He's going to make all his enemies his footstool. He's going to inaugurate a complete kingdom of heaven on earth. And it's going to be glorious. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to be a part of it. So we've got a glorious future. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would exhort you today Today, let day today be the day of salvation to say I'm putting my faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And the, the bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. The cup represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out. There was a sacrifice made for our salvation. And we remember these things. And the Bible says when we do this, we drink and we remember and we're thankful. And we also say that Jesus is coming again. And that's our message this morning. Jesus is coming again. He's coming and he's going to judge us on what we did with the message of who Jesus is and what he's done. And the question will be, did we put our faith and trust in Jesus? And there's going to be a separation. Those who aren't followers of Jesus are going to be eternally separated and those who are followers of Jesus are going to live with him in paradise. And you have an opportunity today to choose life. So I'm going to hand things back over to Mark. He's going to give us some instructions in that. And then at the end, let's worship together. Thank you, Mark.